Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... down to this, I've noticed that if both husband and wife are seeking the Lord, submission is both rare and constant. You say, how could that be possible? No, both are true. It's rare that anyone would say you need to be submissive, and it's constant because we are both constantly submissive to one another. Yet, if you are a follower of Jesus, you may have to, at some time, explain this to someone because this idea of wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord is foreign to today's culture. One of the big attacks on the Christian faith in our culture surrounds the word submission. Many people attack the verse that says, wives are to submit to their husbands, and in many cases, understandably so. However, that does not mean the scripture is in error but rather the poor understanding of some people and the result of poor practice is an error. So what does it mean? Today on Changed by Love, Pastor Jim tackles this controversy using a combination of biblical theology and his own marriage to Pam, or as he often refers to her, my Pam. You might be surprised to learn how well aware they both are that this concept has deepened their marriage, not divided it. To learn more about this, let's join Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Well, there you have it. Let's pray. Go have some coffee and dessert and call it a night. Seriously, though, I want us to spend a lot of time on this tonight. Uh, We're only going to cover verses 22, 23, 24, but we have to read a lot of verses to cover those verses because I want to spend a lot of time for the marriages in our church and for those who listen uh, on our app, radio station, on the internet, uh, for people that you talk to. Now, one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem in this verse here, is that it's tough to find a consensus of what it really means. And so there may be some general principles we can go by, but it is going to have an individual application, I think, for a lot of husbands and wives. And even if you're here and you're not married, people who are married ask you what you think, and you want to be ready to answer them. So let's start with a little quiz. This week, Pam and I got a new roof on our house. Pam picked out the roof shingles. Is she a submissive wife? Don't answer in her favor because I know you love her more than you love me. If I don't make the decision and she does, does that make her a domineering, unsubmissive wife? This week, Pam also got her hair done. As I was kissing her goodbye, I said, don't forget to tell your hairdresser not too blonde because I didn't marry a blonde. I married a brunette. In fact, the same thing happened over the summer. 
is she was leaving to get her hair done, and I said, don't forget to tell your hairdresser, not too blonde, because I like your hair a bit darker. As I was driving out of my driveway and across my cul-de-sac, I saw my neighbor, Matthew. And so I stopped my car and I said, hey, Matthew, yo, how you doing? And he goes, I'm good, Jim, how are you? And I said, hey, I need a favor, Matthew, and would you, how would you like to play a trick with me on Pam? And he says, you got it, man, let's, let's go for it. And I said, well, she's going to be leaving five minutes after me. I know she's going to stop and say hi to you. Will you say this to her? Will you say, remember, Jim likes your hair darker? <laughs> now, full disclosure, Matthew's eight. <laughs> now, does that make me a domineering, overbearing, controlling husband who recruits eight-year-olds to do my evil bidding? Say, yes, I'm hearing. I knew you love Pam more than me. So who is out of God's will, Pam or me? Who is the bigger sinner? Now, normally, of course, that's a no-brainer. You would say me. But I would say this week Pam is because a roof costs more than a hairdo does. But the truth is, maybe neither of us are sinners. But today, we live in a culture that wants to hang us out to dry on this verse and it's important that we are equipped in some fashion, despite all of the division on what it means, to speak about it. Uh, to be honest with you, Pam and I, next month, will be married 29 years. How often has this been an issue in our almost 29-year ma marriage? A few times, sort of. Usually, it's at Pam's request. When Pam would say to me, I believe that God has ordained you or given you the position to be the leader in our home, some would even debate that in this passage, and I need God's wisdom through you to help me figure out what to do in this situation. So she'll say to me, you know, sometimes she says to me, I don't, I don't need you to be my pastor, I don't need you to be the problem solver, I need you to be my husband. And it comes down to this. I've noticed that if both husband and wife are seeking the Lord, submission is both rare and constant. You say, how could that be possible? No, both are true. It's rare that anyone would say you need to be submissive, and it's constant because we are both constantly submissive to one another. Yet, if you are a follower of Jesus, you may have to, at some time, explain this to someone because this idea of wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord is foreign to today's culture. So let's go over a few basic things. If someone says to you that there has been a lot of misuse and abuse of this passage, you should agree and say, you better believe there has been. For sure, you're 100% correct. If someone says or think it means the husband gets his way in all things, sorry guys, you should say, no, that is not what it means. Do not be afraid to say to people that both society and many Christians have misinterpreted or so-called Christians have misinterpreted this verse throughout history. However, Perhaps we should also admit our tendency to push back on any kind of authority, even God's authority. 
And you know, it's actually pretty bad. I hate to say it, but you even see it in church. Some people just do not like to be told what to do. Some people don't care. They'll do anything as long as somebody else doesn't tell them what to do, and they don't see that it hinders them and their mission. It seems to me, maybe it's just my rebellious nature, that sometimes God commands us, or oftentimes God commands us, to do things that don't come easy to us. Have you ever noticed that before? And he gives us more opportunities to put our trust in him. Now let's think about this for a second. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're not, we're glad that you're here. Welcome. Came on an interesting night, interesting text. But if you're a follower of Jesus, don't you think that God meant something beautiful here? I mean, isn't that our God? Do you think he meant some oppressive, awful, under my thumb, treat women horribly kind of thing? Do you think that that God wants wives to be crushed? Or do you think he wants them to flourish? I mean, answer the question for yourself. You don't don't need me to answer that question for you. So, so, So wives and counselors of wives, again, you're a counselor of a wife, but somebody says to you who's married and you're not married. So what do you think about this? Now you're the counselor. If you want to follow Jesus... You are going to have to, you must somehow reconcile this. You've got to come to some place where you're not a doormat, but you're not living in total rebellion to, to God. You also have to ask yourself this question. Have, have I bought into the culture's view of what they think this means, or am I working hard because this is not the only place where it says it. It's just the most lengthy passage that talks about it. Am I working hard? Am I searching for what God says about it? Now let's go through some, some cultural changes that have happened in, in our world. Back in the day, marriage used to be about us. And I, I grew up and I, I, I never, ever in a million years thought that my parents would split up. I mean, it never even dawned on me. When I, when I heard of people's parents splitting up, I, I just couldn't believe it. And now, now listen, they had their fights. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, they was, you know, sometimes I thought they were going to kill one another. And, and, but, but yet, I never, ever for a minute thought that they would get divorced. When I, uh, my, my daughter Jessica was in kindergarten or first grade one time, uh, Pam and I were, you know, having some intense fellowship. And so Jessica started to, to cry because she said, oh no, I'm so upset you're going to get divorced. And we're like, we're not going to get divorced. And she goes, oh, all my friend's parents are getting divorced. And they said, that's what happens. They start to yell at each other a lot. And and then they get divorced. So marriage used to be about us, but now marriage is about what? It's about me. It's all about me. It's about my happiness. It's about my personal fulfillment. And if I'm not getting it, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. That's what the culture views it. And, you know, marriages are, are crumbling all around us, and I don't want to be insensitive to anyone who has been divorced because, as I often say, it's my least favorite question out in the hallway. People come up to me and they go, what do you think about divorce? And I'm like, oh, not that one. Because there are so many ins and outs of divorce. 
And, and so marriages are crumbling all around us, and certainly that tells us that the culture has something or some things wrong about it. And now, perhaps more than any time in history, at least any time in history in, this, in the United States, marriage and family is being redefined. Those of you who are older, they can see it on reruns. Uh, they could never air that show today, but I guess they can do it on reruns. We used to watch this show called All in the Family. And uh, now it's been replaced by Modern Family. <laughs> and, and today people seem to be wondering, is marriage even necessary? In 1960, 75% of adults were married. Now less than 50% of adults are married. In 1960, statistically speaking, no one lived together. I mean, there were people who lived together who were not married, but it was statistically virtually nothing. Now, 25% of women today live with their boyfriend, and 50% will at some point in time live with their boyfriend. And as most of us know, living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend actually decreases the chances of your marriage survival, which is still at only around 50%. As most of us know, um, if 50% of marriages end in divorce, how many marriages stay intact that are completely miserable? And that's not what God wants for us either. Not to mention, I think, today when you, when you watch media or you observe things and listen to people talk, a lot of people are looking for a soulmate, a soulmate, you know, someone who um, they think is going, to, is going to complete them or some mystical thing like that. And, you know, when I am talking with couples in premarital, I'm trying to get them to figure out if it's God's will that they should be married or not. And and I do tell them this. I say this. I don't know if it's God's will until you slip the ring on the other person's finger. And once you do, then I know it is. So let's be very, very careful. And by the way, I have had couples break up in premarital counseling. And they rose up and called me blessed many years later. You know, sometimes when people look for a soulmate, they want someone who accepts them uh, just the way they are, which is good. But for some people, that means they accept me just the way I am, and I never want them to try and change me, or I never want them to change me. But, but God uses a husband or a wife to change you. Have you noticed that? God uses a husband or a wife to sanctify you. Marriage is such a sanctifying, it's becoming more like Christ. Marriage is the most sanctifying experience that I've ever encountered in the entirety of my life. Uh, some people like to brag that they never fight. Dr. James Dobson says, if a couple never fights, then somebody owns all the real estate. If, if a couple never fights, then that indicates that one person is either very controlling or the other person is just giving in all of the time. They're rolling over and they are playing dead. When people tell me they never fight, this is what I say to them. I'm sorry to hear that. And they go, why? And I, I, rather than tell them that one of them is probably controlling and the other is a doormat, I say, because it is uh, some of the disagreements in marriage 
that are the most sanctifying, that will make you the most like Christ because you, you, you have this disagreement and then the Lord calls you to submit to one another and if you will, you fall in love again but you for, fall more in love and more in love and eventually you go, you know, this stuff doesn't matter anymore. I love you so much. It doesn't really matter. Now, in order to get at what the apostle is talking about, we, we, we don't fully know what he's talking about. We've said before he's a task theologian. He knows what's going on in the church in Ephesus, and so he's writing to figure out, you know, to help them get through this, the, the task of, of improving on what's going on. It's important to look at the context of where we are in the letter. So let's go back to the very beginning of Ephesians chapter 5 and just look at verse 1 and 2. After telling us not to grieve the Holy Spirit, he says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Don't be childlike, he's saying, or childish. We're children of God. Verse 2, and how do we do that? How do we imitate God? Walk in love. The way we live is in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So to walk in love, here he's just talking to the congregation at large, to walk in love is to rise up, answer the call that we are to live for others and that we are to love others. Now, as we said, this, where we find ourselves here in 522, is one long section that goes into chapter 6. So let's go down to Ephesians 515 that we looked at last week. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, some versions say carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Remember that, walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time, being careful of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So what is he telling us? Be careful. Be wise. Don't be a fool. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit, okay? Be careful, be wise, be filled with the Spirit. Now, we said last week that, that God fills us with his Spirit, but we yield to him, we let it happen. What does that look like? Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I, what I think his coming in this week and next week's study is he's teaching us how to have a marriage that sings, this is for the congregation. We went over this last week, but he's going to break it down into some specific relationships. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, important. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, right now, stop and ignore the obnoxious Bible headings that you have. Because some of your Bible headings make you think, now we've stopped talking about that. We're done. We're, not, we're going to move on to the next subject. I know sometimes they're a little helpful when we're tired reading our Bibles, but sometimes they take us out of it. Forget that it's there. And we have to ask ourselves, does verse 21 belong with verse 20, or does it belong with verse 22? Or, I believe, it belongs with both. I think it's a connector verse. I think it connects us with what preceded and what is to follow. So he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God... 
So if you're spirit-filled, you will be submissive and you will be a servant. And now he applies that, being spirit-filled, being submissive, to marriage. He's also going to, in chapter 6, apply it to parenting and to the workplace. Verse 22, wives, submit. Now stop right there for a second. When people say to you, do you believe that a wife should be submissive to her husband? Let me, let me train you like a dog. I'm not calling you dogs. You're only a dog if you forget. You say this. What do you think submissive means? So they say to you, do you think a wife should be submissive to a husband? You say, what do you think submissive means? And I guarantee you, it's not going to be, is it going to be lovely? Is it going to be glorious? Is it going to be the way God feels about his daughters, his princesses? I don't think so. So ask people that. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Interesting uh, fun fact here. By the way, while, while people in our culture debate over the word submit, Bible scholars do not. The debate is over the word head. What does head mean? So those who are well-studied and well-schooled, they're not talking about the word submit. They're debating the word head. Verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject, most versions say submits to Christ, so let the wives be, I think we can infer the word submissive, to their own husbands in everything. Now, up until now, this is a very important point. This is... this. We have to understand this. We've got to go back 2,000 years, put ourselves in, in, in the Roman Empire, very much influenced by Greek culture, particularly the teaching of Aristotle from 300 years earlier, who said that men were domineering, that women were defective humans. We have to really put ourselves into the culture that's there. Up until now, we have heard nothing that would be surprising to a woman in the ancient world. N nothing at all. For you to tell them you're supposed to be submissive, they would say, I've known that since I'm four years old. My mother's been telling me that since I am a little girl. What follows in chapter six, that children are supposed to be submissive and slaves or employees are supposed to be submissive. Not surprising at all. W wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise them at all. All of them, women, children, Slaves or employees were considered to be like property. So do you know what he's doing? He's getting what everybody knows out of the way. That's what he's doing. He's not going to start with the shocking stuff. The shocking stuff is coming. This is not the shocking stuff. To us, this is the shocking stuff. But to the audience that he's writing to, this is not at all. If he starts with the men, he'll, he'll lose everything. So all the men are sitting there listening to this being read in the congregation and they're going, of course, duh. Like, we don't know this. We all know this. What would be surprising is what he would, Jesus and the apostles taught the men. They would be like, are you kidding me? Let me give you an example. First Corinthians chapter five. We're told about a man who's uh, 
doing wickedness with uh, probably his stepmother-in-law. And the Apostle Paul tells the congregation that anyone who name, is named a brother, anyone who says he's a Christian, people say to me, we're involved in this sin, and I go, are you a Christian? They go, what's the difference? They go, big difference. If you're not a Christian, I expect you to be doing it. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.